Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality to discover the ultimate meaning and purpose of their lives. And so for those that are new, I want to refer you first to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There there's a flip book, which I have written, very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me. And you will find that there are many places that are highlighted in red print. Those are links to YouTube videos, which are very profound and amazing from many fields of science and archaeology that highly confirm the reality of what I am sharing here. And I'm sharing about the one true eternal God, the very source of reality. And the source of reality is an ultimate perfection and manifestation of love that is the source behind all that is good. Of course, because we are created with free will, we create our own destinies and our own choices. We are self-originating and therefore self-responsible. Therefore, we cannot blame God for evil or for creating the devil because he didn't want to create robots. He wanted to create beings that are the source of their own action, that have the capacity to love because love is the very meaning for all that exists. God is love, the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love. Now, I don't want to make my introductions too long as I have had a tendency to do. How I share these messages is by seeking to speak is the oracles of God. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And that's referring to believers when they come together around Jesus Christ to have a meeting around the true living God. They are to share in such a way that they allow God by his spirit to speak through them. That is how it was in the early church. One had a song, one had a word of encouragement, another a prophetic word or a word of knowledge. They allowed the spirit of God to rise up in them and to release his gifting to one another in a motive of pure love, humility, and service. And so I will seek also to speak as the oracles of God. This is further explained in Revelations 19.10, which says, if any, it says there, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when we worship God in spirit and in truth out of a pure heart, in great humility and love, reverence for God, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances that are prophetic, or in other words, of speaking as the oracles of God, whether that comes in the form of a song or whatever. In the early church, that's how the meetings were. But they were all sensitive, as anyone is that has truly been brought forth anew by the Spirit of God in their life. They are sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God, and they can sense when the Spirit of God is rising up in them and wanting to come up through their mouth and speak a word. 
whether it be a song or a word of encouragement or prophetic utterance or a word of knowledge or whatever. And so I will seek to speak out of a heart set and the mindset of worship this message so that it comes forth prophetically. To facilitate that, I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible. And so I used two independent random applications to get two chapters so that those two chapters would bear witness with each other as to the common message and theme that is in both of them. And so that is what I will be sharing today, what I receive from those two chapters. Before I do that, I like to have a worship song. So we're going to go forth with a worship song first. I only spent a half an hour in preparation, meditating on those two chapters, and then I speak sometimes immediately after, in this case, after I had my first meal. And uh, so before I speak, we are going to worship with a song that is appropriate with the theme of this message. So we'll go to that worship song now and worship with that particular song. Give thyself to me. 
wonderful. Oops, there we go. God wants us to know what it is to overcome all things. He is calling his people in these last days to be those that endure suffering and arm ourselves with a mind to suffer. And yet we have so many of these teachers nowadays, they want to emphasize material prosperity. Oh, God's going to bless you. But real prosperity comes, first of all, spiritually, in learning to overcome all things through embracing God in his full being of love over all of the loves of this world that would tend to hold us back and eclipse us from a full love relationship with God. And so I want to share now the two chapters I received by the casting of Lot before God with great reverence. This only works when you do it with great reverence and sincerity and pray over the applications as I do. And he's not calling everyone to do what I do, but this is what God has led me to do in the ministry of the word of God. And so today on January the 20th of 2023 on Friday, I received 2 Corinthians chapter 1 by Lot with Revelations chapter 12 before the Lord, as it says in Proverbs 16.33, the casting of the lot and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And I need not go into all the scriptural practices of that in the Old Testament as well as by the early church and throughout church history. So those that are boxed into their own self-righteous understanding on this matter and have some problem with it, well, just take it before the Lord, okay? Okay, here is the common theme. The common theme between these two chapters is overcoming the attacks of Satan and his slaves that cause suffering in our lives by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives unto the death. And so, first of all, I want to point out the verse in Revelations chapter 12, that is the theme verse, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. And then, of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, there is many, the theme verse is not so, not particularly any one verse. There's a number of verses that would be the theme verse here that relate to the verse I just quoted. For example, in verse 17 to 20, it says, When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? Or the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, that with me there should be yea and yea and nay and nay? But as God is true, and our word toward you was not yea and nay, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, even by me and Salvanius, and Timotheus was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, on to the glory of God by us. And of course, that relates to the fact that they overcame him by the word of their testimony. When we are double-hearted and double-minded, we do not have a testimony that is clear. 
or when we are not fully committed to God, our words will not come forth with clarity or honesty that will defeat the enemy. And so it is important that we are not those that take the things of God in a light and trivial way, because just before these verses that I just read, Paul made it clear that he was, when I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? No, he was serious. He was sober and totally serious about his purpose in following Christ. He took it seriously. And we also must daily learn what it means to, out of the genuine fear of God, embrace God over all the loves of this world. And that involves great reverence before God in the genuine fear of God. And so I want to begin by reading in First Corinthians chapter or Second Corinthians chapter one. Um, where there's so many things that are so rich in here, on the secret of overcoming, which are three things as mentioned in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him. First, it's by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. And this is the secret for genuine prosperity. Not what these false teachers teach, where they equate godliness with material gain. And they don't rightly divide the word of God because they will mention prosperity and focus on that without saying, but God has chosen the poor, rich, and heirs of the kingdom of God. Does that mean that God doesn't want to bless us with material things sometimes? He will if he can entrust us to be those that are so in a love relationship with him that those material things are not the focus or the delight or the motive in our lives because we've been so drawn into a love relationship with God that those things have become shallow and lacking in anything that could possibly fulfill us compared to the fulfillment that we experience in fellowship with God, which is far greater than any of these temporal titillating things that just titillate the taste buds, but leave you empty and weak. Comparing it to food that you can eat that might taste well in your mouth, but if it's junk food, you're going to end up being a blob kind of person that's always depressed, not feeling good and miserable, and you won't live a long life. You have to deny your own natural tendencies for an immediate gratification, for knowing a far greater fulfillment and satisf satisfaction that is also far more pleasurable and lasting in the natural. So I want to read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints or those that have been sanctified or are living holy lives, which are in all Achaia, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, 
that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. So there is greater consolation or fulfillment and comfort and communion and fellowship with God. Paul the Apostle said he wanted to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings. In that fellowship, that communion that is so fulfilling out of his suffering. He wanted to know a fellowship that came out of the sufferings that Christ went through, that he is partaking of in the trials and the tests that he himself is experiencing. And so we go on and we read here in verse 6, And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Let us face something, brothers and sisters. The whole world suffers. Everyone eventually will face suffering in this fallen world, even if they're the most wealthy people in the world. Oh, maybe they won't. Maybe, let's say, they're very wealthy and they decide if they're in Canada here that they'll hire a doctor to take their lives because now they're, but they're still, why would they ask the doctor to take their life? Because they're beginning to suffer and they don't want to go through the suffering. But so they don't suffer too much because they get a, a shot that kills them. Well, now they're in the afterlife. If they don't know God, they're going to be in eternal torment that is far greater than anything that you can experience in this physical dimension, according to those that have experienced dying and going to hell and experiencing that. And I have that in my book at Afterlife, Incredible Irrefutable. One fellow there with the links to the YouTube video, you can see it for yourself. And he points out how there's nothing compared. And there's not just him. There's another, there's a good number of them in the book like that that describe that. So I know that it's far worse than any suffering you can experience. And it goes on forever and ever. You do not realize the seriousness of eternity, many of you, and how serious it is that we are those that embrace the source of reality, which is Yahweh described in the Old Testament. Some use the word Jehovah, which is a less accurate word. Uh, in the Old Testament, the word in the original Hebrew, of course, in English, it's Lord God, but Lord equates, equates with, in most cases in the Old Testament, Yahweh the ultimate reality far and above. And then the second word, God, is the Almighty's plural, referring to the Father and the Holy, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's Elohim. So there are people that suffer no matter who they are in this world. The question is, for us who know God, Suffering can be a very positive thing. Yes, we must arm ourselves with a mind to suffer. The Word of God says that. This is part of the secret of overcoming. They overcame him. Why? Because they didn't love their lives unto the death. And the way you learn not to love your life over God's life unto the death is to face the reality of suffering 
and to arm yourselves with a mind to suffer, the word of God says. Does that mean that we want to suffer? No, and we should do all things to evade suffering that we can. For God doesn't need to use the same degree of suffering in your life if you're seeking him in a life of prayer and you have a life of prayer to bring you onto a greater conformity and union with him. The more you pray and you seek God and you abide in God, really the less you should need to go through suffering to achieve God's purpose in your life. Doesn't mean you won't suffer but it means you will experience a lot more of God's grace in your suffering, no matter what he has called you to go through. Because the goal, obviously, is the joy that is set before us. But to embrace the cross, we must have a vision. And that vision is the joy that is set before us of coming into that destiny where there is no corruption, where there is no suffering, which we will all enter as those that have been truly brought forth anew of the Spirit of God. And Paul the Apostle goes on to say here, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the suffering, so are ye also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed, out of measure and above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and dost deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now, before I go into explaining these verses, I have something on my mind still that I believe God put in my mind. And I'm thinking of all these people, the woke culture and, and the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab that's going on right now. I think today's the last day. And of course, that's got all the multi-billionaires from around the world. I would imagine hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And their plans to have a one-world government, which they're seemingly being very successful at, and they're going to put everyone in this world make them like slaves in China because, you know, the Chinese Communist Party is right up there with them all at those meetings. And they have already made all the people in China slaves and they're terribly oppressed under that system of a social credit score with digital. But here are these people. They don't believe in God. They're totally deceived. Of course, the theory of evolution is a, a pseudoscience that uh, if you know anything about it, of course, you can check my flip book out on ultimatemeaning.com. It exposes it all. It's a total pseudoscience. It's a mastery of deception. Their evolution is, you know, it's just pathetic that people believe these things like they're facts. But that's where it is nowadays. People want to believe a lie and God gives them strong delusion to believe a lie. So you have all these people. And they're believing all these crazy things that they can control the world and they're so blinded and filled with their own darkness and selfishness that they don't care what happens to you and me. They want to make us all slaves and that's what will happen. But they'll lie in your face and say, oh, we're here to make a utopia for you. But we know that it's a dystopia, not a utopia that they're after. Even Klaus Schwab, his dad was buddy buddies with Hitler close, very closely 
close friend of Hitler. So here we have the same thing, an, an attempted takeover of the world. And these people believe things that is so destructive to the whole world and even to their own lives, but they don't see it. They don't see that what they're believing is totally destructive. So they're seeking in their deceived, self-worshipping state of being that is a hell-contagious, self-destructive state of being. They are seeking to dominate and rule the world in the place of God. But he that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision, as it says in the book of Psalms. He has his appointed time to overthrow them. And I do believe these people will be overthrown. And there will be a season where there will be a great reaping of the harvest before the coming of the Lord because they will see this corruption that has taken over the United States and every country in the world. It will be exposed for the ugliness it is. All the systems of the world have been corrupted to an extreme state now where you cannot trust them. But God is allowing that to expose this, that he might reveal the truth of the gospel as never before upon the earth before his coming to bring in a mighty harvest of souls before the Antichrist takes over, which will probably come after these people are totally, thoroughly brought to justice and defeat. It's time that we are those though that are ready for the time of great tribulation, which is described in Revelations 12, where I was reading that verse. But I want to go on here, because I just read these verses. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble which came to us. We were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we even despaired of life. God can allow those that he loves to go through that because they are doing that in their attempt out of the love of God to win people to Christ, to bring people to Christ. They put their very own lives on the line. And he says the sentence of death that was in ourselves was so that we wouldn't trust in ourselves. So learning through that, what do you learn when you're in a trial where you're totally helpless and it looks like you're going to be devoured by the lions, as Paul describes. God comes along at the last moment and delivers you like the children of Israel were delivered from the Egyptians at the crossing of the Red Sea. God often will bring forth his deliverance. That is for those that are walking in a love relationship with him, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High as King David did. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God that raises the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He also helping together by prayer for us for that the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons' thanks, may be given by many on our behalf. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we had our 
conversation or our lifestyle in the world and more abundantly towards you. And we go on, and I don't want to go too much into all the details in this chapter. And I mentioned about the last part of this chapter already, how Paul was very clear. He didn't use lightness. He was serious. He was a man of his word, and he boldly confessed and braced the promises of God. And so the secret for overcoming in our lives is first that we have faith in the mercy of God. Remember Paul the Apostle in this chapter starts it out by saying, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And so God is wanting us as his people to know his mercy, his comfort in our lives. To know that we can trust in his blood to cleanse us and forgive us when we confess our sins. King David was in a very serious situation where they came back after doing an excursion of an attack on the enemy and they found that their town was destroyed and their wives and their children were taken and the men were getting about to go and stone him. And so what happens is he was at a point where he could have despaired even of life. But he cried unto God. He turned to the Lord in his time of trouble. You only have to read the book of Psalms and see how many times King David mentions that he walks in the presence of God and he boldly confesses with his mouth. I was reading the other day in one of the Psalms and he, he says, Lord, tell me that you're my deliverer. So he's confessing with his mouth and saying, Lord, speak to me and say that you are my deliverer and I confess you as my deliverer. And I command that you use your spears, your spiritual spears of attack against the enemy and you bring down their evil against me. And you only have to read the Psalms to understand how effectually he is continually using his mouth. He's saying, chase them as chaff blown from the wind. And he, he visualizes this and confesses it. And when we are doing spiritual warfare, we also must learn not only to give the word of our testimony with victory, but to speak in a prophetic and declarative way against the works of the enemy in our lives or that is coming against us to tear it down. And all the more so did the early church do it corporately where you read of them praying with one voice and one heart and one mind and quoting that verse in Psalms that I quoted. I believe it was that one, Psalms chapter 1, where they said, Lord, look at all that they have done. I don't know exactly what chapter in Acts it is, where in unison they pray and say and quote a scripture against the enemy. 
but I, it reminds me of Psalm 1 where it says, he that is in the heavens shall laugh at them. The Lord shall have them in derision. I could adventure trying to find that chapter in the book of Acts, but it would probably just be too distracting to do that right now. This is the message that God is saying to the body of Christ today. He is calling his people to learn what it is to embrace his loving kindness because it's better than life. It's better than the life that you must die to. The trials that you might be allowed by God who is the skillful potter to go through in order to bring you to that place where you learn the ways of God so that you trust in him and know the exceeding greatness of his power to thus those who believe, even the power that raised Christ from the dead. Paul said that was what was happening to him. The trials were being used to cause him to trust in God that raises the dead. We've not that we might not trust in ourselves, but in the power of God that raises the dead. Again, I'll quote that verse, but we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death. He is the deliverer of death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. We wear the garments of life because we keep accounts, short accounts with God whenever we fall and we fail and we confess our sins and ask, Lord, forgive me. So we don't have spots on our garment. We don't carry death and corruption on our garments. Our armor doesn't have any chinks in it. Our weapons are the girdle of truth that holds all of the armor on us. God is calling us as his people to be those in these last days that return to the genuine fear of God. And I can't go into teaching on that for time now, but the genuine fear of God is basically a turning to God to recognize that whatever suffering we're going through in our lives or the suffering around us is not what we focus on because those consequences are due to the integrity of God's love that will not tolerate what is contrary to love. Love being that quality that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. That's the agape love, the purest form of love. God's love is as a consuming fire that devours all that is contrary to that agape love. Anything that is a less than choosing the highest lasting good has a measure of corruption. And this love is the holiness of God. It will not tolerate corruption in our hearts and in our lives. And so when we see that God's holiness, the integrity of his love is what I mean by holiness. When we see how good God is and we focus on that instead of the consequences like Cain, so that you get a warped concept of God as some dictator that demands appeasement in order to be uh, pleasing to. No, God is allowing all things to work together for good to those that love God. And the greater the trial, the greater the grace, the greater the resurrection, the, or the greater the experience of deliverance from one trial to the next. You go through a trial and then you find out God delivered you in an amazing way. Then you go through another trial and pretty soon you get to a point where you think, hey, you know, maybe it is good to glory in tribulation, like the word of God says. I wouldn't say you would want to go through trials, 
but people can get to the point where they really want to. They're no, they're no longer fearful of the trials where they can say we glory in tribulations knowing that they do such a wonderful work in bringing us in to a life where we fear nothing, where we know a victory that is totally able to overcome all things. I think of Brother Yun, the heavenly man. You can look him up on the internet, Y-U-N, the heavenly man. He's got some YouTube videos up there. I've read his book. You can get it on the internet. I think it's a lily among thorns if I got the title right. But anyhow, you talk about someone that went through trials. He was tortured by the Chinese Communist Party for 10 years and terribly tortured. He went on a fast for 74 days without food or liquid. That's impossible to do. And during that fast, they were torturing him terribly, threw, threw him into the poo and the pee from all the men in the prison that was in the sewer. And this is while he's not been eating food or anything. They tortured him. They broke his knees so he couldn't walk. And then God comes on the scene and does miracles. And suddenly, the Lord tells him he can get up and leave. And suddenly he can walk, even though he couldn't walk because of having his knees both hit with a sledgehammer and broken. And the prison doors open. And, he, and this is in the broad daylight. He walks past guards. They don't even see him. And he walks right out of that whole prison by the power of God and escaped to Europe and then to the West. And you can hear his testimony. There is an example of overcoming all things. Brothers and sisters, we do not have to fear what God has planned for our lives because whatever he has planned for our lives, it is really good. It's the ending that matters. Whatever we have to put be put through is just temporal. He's even in this life, we experience life that's more abundant. Brother Young said that he'd rather experience the deep presence of God and communion with God that was so fulfilling when he was in prison there than to be in some church that was dead where it was empty and they didn't know the presence of God. So God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. And I will just mention at the end here that I do have a book called Godhead, Ship, and Body Invasion, which you can get on the internet besides my other new book on the afterlife called Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable. Uh, but the book on Godheadship and Body Invasion is very important because it shows what you can do in your assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Jesus Christ from inhabiting your local assembly so that you can conquer your town and your city and your nation. The church is not here to be asleep. It is time to wake up out of our sleep and be who God has called us to be and conquer our communities, our cities, and our nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ.